First half of the season is done and dusted. We need to get on to the second half as quickly as we can, which we are doing so. Welcome to what is likely to be the last episode of TDs and Threes in its current format. We're not going anywhere, but if you didn't listen to our review, which not many didn't, my goodness, the numbers outstanding from the fans out there, but we are going to be NFL only, so we are going to be changing, looking forward to all that. But you can still find us in the same place, same time, same content. Tate will be back at some point, but Smithy is alongside me as per usual, and Smid, it's fair to say, because we've both got the day off work today, mate, it's weird recording this when there's light out. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I'm usually pretty grumpy because you know me, Daz, I'm not a night person. I'm a, no, uh, not at all. I'm an early bird, and uh, the later it gets, the worse I get. So I could be in some absolutely all-time form today. If you go 5-0 and in the certs this week, is it fair to say that you'll be demanding earlier starting times? Is that on the cards? Yeah. I might take my all my recording gear to work and just film the pod quickly on my breaks earlier, better. <laughs> I like it. All right, mate, as quickly as we can before we get stuck into the game, something you're looking forward to over the NFL Week 10? Uh, I've got a few things, but I'll do two, one not-so-serious and one serious. The not-so-serious okay. ones is I'm looking forward to the Panthers' black helmets being unveiled mm. on Thursday night football they were the hype of the off-season for Panthers fans. We couldn't wait to see them come on. And they look clean. I can't wait to see them on field. Hopefully, we don't embarrass them by getting blown out by the Falcons. But in all seriousness, I am looking forward to the Las Vegas Raiders versus Indianapolis Colts game. And mm. before you question my decision, because yes, they are two very bad football teams, there is a serious amount of spice that goes into this game. Josh McDaniels pulled out of the Indianapolis coach uh, head coaching job back in 2018. He's now coaching the Raiders and seriously struggling, mind you. And a few weeks before Jeff Saturday got appointed interim head coach, he was working on ESPN as an analyst and said the Raiders were garbage and they were no good. So there's a serious amount of spice going into this game, and I think it's going to be an absolute ripper. I like it. I'm looking forward to finding out who is the biggest pretender in the NFC West because the Rams and the Cardinals together are just a shit show at the moment. And whoever loses that game, I think are done for the entire year. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's get into these games. And we begin with the Niners and the Chargers. And that's me. Now, you were calling for the Chargers, my friend, to make a statement last week. And they didn't, but still got the victory. The Niners on paper are looking like one of the best rosters in the league. Well, not looking like fully fit. They definitely are. I think there are more questions for the Chargers. And I think we're just waiting on the answers for the Niners, so they're going to collide. I think they're in the late slate of games here. Yeah, they are. They're going to be the last game on Monday, our time here in Australia. So I'm not sure how much work Big Dazzling is going to get done between 12.20 and about 3.30 on Monday afternoon. Shout out to the big boss if he's listening because this is going to be absolutely gripping. Jimmy G is going to be a source of NFL media contention he could throw 30 for 30 for 420, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and I don't think the NFL media would give him any sort of credit at all, whereas there's a feeling around a lot of traps that now Justin Herbert's got to put the talent behind him and start getting some wins on the board. He's below 500 for his career, as we know, and it's kind of got to happen. And as uh, as the number one 
fan of him, which I am, the former Ducks fan, of which I am also. I am starting to come around to the fact that if the results aren't hitting the board, the the talent's not meaning a lot. So I'm looking forward to this one in a big, big way, Smithy. And I'm going to take the best roster rather than the best quarterback. And I'm going to take the Niners in this one. Yeah, I'm going the Niners as well. Uh, I think coming off a of bye week, Debo Samuel is back. Uh, it's the first time that we'll see Afri, Debo, and George Kittle all on the field together. So that's going to be absolutely exciting. They will have had two weeks to plan for this game. Uh, I feel like they're going to come out and put on an absolute show offensively. And what you said about Justin Herbert is right. Uh, being under 500 for someone of his talent is unusual and not ideal. But unfortunately for him, he's currently in the worst situation he's been in since he's been a charger. His mm-hmm. offensive line is beat up and they're playing second and third stringers along the offensive line. His two best wide receivers are out injured at the moment in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So, you know, there's some really important weapons that he doesn't have behind the worst offensive line he's been behind. And the defense is banged up as well. So they're not able to give him the short fields. They're putting him behind the eight ball a lot of the time and not allowing him to play his natural game. So I agree the results need to come through, but I don't think he's in the best position to do that. Yeah. I think so. So that is going to be a cracker. And we get on to your first game in the draft, mate. I've actually gone back and had a look. This is the first time in five weeks that you didn't get the number one pick. So you've got to, you've got to bounce back while the sun's out. But you've got the you've got the Bears and the Lions. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Um, it's a divisional game. We know what they're like. And I'm super interested in the Chicago Bears at the moment. I've always had that invested interest in them because I've been following Justin Fields. But... They look the best that they've looked since he's been in the fold. Uh, obviously, he had that NFL, NFL regular season record game last week against your Finns, Daz, and uh, it was driving all the Dolphins supporters and coaches into absolute madness. <laughs> James Campbell, if you haven't seen that clip of Mike McDaniel, it's very, very good. But I'm interested to see this because the Lions are coming off their best win of the season. The Bears are coming off their best performance of the season, even though it was a loss. The way they played against Miami Dolphins, who a lot of people now are propelling into Super Bowl conversations with their trade deadline. It's going to be great to see. Um, the thing that Detroit Lions fans should be worried about is they are on the road. And we know what a different team, team is on the road. Uh, they love the cozy confides of their indoor dome there at Ford Field. And, it's fair to say Soldier Field in Chicago isn't the friendliest place to play weather-wise, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. You know that the Chicago run game is going to be strong, but how can the passing game get going again? Justin Fields very effective last week, but we saw what the Lions did to Aaron Rodgers. They had him in absolute fits, especially down in the Green Bay red zone where they forced three interceptions on Aaron Rodgers. Now, were some of those on Rodgers? Absolutely, uh, but we take no credit away from the Lions. They still need to be there to make the plays. I talk about the Aiden Hutchinson interception where Rogers underthrew a ball into the end zone by about 10 yards, which is really hard to do, but he managed to do it, and Hutchinson was there to pick it off. So can they bring that same form to Soldier Field, put Justin Fields under pressure, and get them playing a game that the Bears don't want to play? 
They like to lean on the run game and go off the play action from there. If the Lions can stop the run, then it's going to put them in obvious passing situations and they may be able to capitalize. But I'm buying into what the Bears are doing. I think their last three weeks offensively have been outstanding uh, against the Patriots, the Cowboys, and last week against the Dolphins. Uh, a few of those are some of the better defenses in the NFL. And I think it's now a, a pattern. It's it's not a fluke. It's not a one-off. It's a pattern. This offense is playing good football, and I think they can carry that into this game. Yeah, this is seemingly a game of which defense is going to be the least bad because a Lions run defense is going to be on notice. When Aaron Rodgers is leading your team in rushing yards, you're probably not thinking to yourself, well, we've got a good thing going here, mainly because you've then got Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, Demont, and all these things. And I agree with you, man. Uh, Jared Goff, man, he turns into God at home and he turns into me on the road. And I'm not backing me in the NFL at any stage. And for someone who doesn't have a backup quarterback in fantasy, I am shitting myself over this game. But I think the Bears are going to win the game. Now let's go to the Bucks and the Seahawks. Now, I don't think there are many more games that we've had in quite some time that have had two quarterbacks that have been in quite different positions. We've got a goat that might be on the other side of the mountain, and we've got a bust that is playing like an MVP candidate. It's extraordinary what's happening in this game. It is Geno's world, and we are just living in it at the moment. Now, Mike Evans still can't really decide on a week-to-week basis whether he wants to be a top or bottom three wide receiver in this league. If he can figure that out, I think that would help a lot of Bucks fans in where they're at. Leonard Fournette just cannot seem to run the football, and the Seahawks' youth are just coming through in a magnificent way. I'm not here to jump off the bandwagon. Bring on the Geno MVP chance. Seahawks win this game again. Yeah, there's literally no reason to tip against the Seahawks at the moment. I learned that the hard way last week when I, some for some reason, tipped the Cardinals. Um, the Bucks, despite winning, weren't good. It's look, We can say that. They, they did not play a good game, but they still managed to get the result. I think people are going to overreact to that a lot. There's still so many significant holes in this team. They can't run the football. Leonard Fournette, my goodness. Uh, he is, looks terrible. Their pass catches have been extremely inconsistent. Their offensive line is horrific. And over the last six weeks, Seattle Seahawks are ranking for the NFL in sacks. So one thing they can do really well on a week-to-week basis is get after the quarterback and with the state of Tampa Bay's offensive line, I see no reason why they can't heap the pressure on Tom Brady and force him to make some mistakes. Yeah, I'm tipping the Seahawks with some confidence. I can't believe they're not favoured down here in Australia. Yeah, it's extraordinary what's happening there. Might be one for the certs later, but we'll touch on that when we can. Let's go to your second game, mate. The Vikings and the Bills. We're still no closer at the time of recording to knowing uh, Josh Allen's uh, injury history. So this might be an interesting one for the, I think this might be a, a keep away for the certs because it might make the difference. But like we said last week, mate, the Vikings might be the most uh, slept on or irrelevant seven and one team we've ever seen. And you know what the funniest thing is? If Josh Allen does miss this game and they manage to win and go eight and one, no one's going to give them credit. No for one's going to care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, no one is going to give a shit if they go eight and one and Josh Allen doesn't play. However, if he does play and plays poorly, no one is going to credit the Vikings for that. They're going to say it's because of his injury. So the Vikings are literally in the biggest lose-lose situation you can think of. Because if they win, 
no one's going to credit them for it. And if they lose, they are going to cop it. So, um, yeah, not ideal for the Vikings. But you're right. We don't know anything more about Josh Allen. I've been watching some updates from certain doctors in the States, and they think he's right to play. It's going to be a pain management thing. The pain can throw off his mechanics, all this stuff going into it. Who knows? I think he's going to play. Um, I would have confidence that he plays. But the bad thing for the Bills, and we spoke about this in the, the review of week nine, they don't have a running game that they can lean on if Josh Allen isn't quite up to speed. You know, they're going to put themselves behind the eight ball if they try and lean on Devin Singletary because they don't want to expose Josh Allen to 50 pass attempts because. That just hasn't been them. That hasn't been their strength. And the Vikings have been pretty good against the run this year. They've got a defensive line that's come out to play. And their linebackers have always been quite good in run defense. So I worry about Josh Allen if he plays. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a really below average game in this one, even if he does play, because coming off seven days... You know, you can't expect an injury like this to just go away. We saw the discomfort he was in. The thing is with the with the Bills is their defense is good enough to carry them to wins, but not against this offense, I don't think. You know, you've got so many weapons on that Vikings offense. Delvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson getting more involved in the offense. I just don't think that that Bills defense is going to be able to support a struggling Bills offense if Josh Allen is seriously affected by this elbow injury. So I'm going to tip the Vikings, but uh, it's definitely a tough game to read. It'll be interesting to see the result either way. When you look at Kirk Cousins this year, because six of their seven wins have come by a possession. So... What that tells me is Kirk Cousins' game management is on point. Whatever you think of his throws, whatever you think of him as a bloke, he seems like an awesome bloke from down here in Australia. Um, what you've got to admit is once the second half starts, his brain goes into what can we do to stick around. Now, that can be to the detriment sometimes, Smithy, because we would like to see a bit more aggression and to put a team away, especially some of the poorer teams, a bit earlier. You know, go into the last and the game effectively be over. They haven't really had a chance to do that, but the Bills are one and eight in their last nine games decided by possession. And like I said, the Vikings have now had six in a row. So for that reason, and for the reason that it would just be hilarious that no matter what, no one's going to care about an eight and one Vikings team. I think that gets the job done. Kirk Cousins, he can struggle in prime time. There's nothing prime about an injured Josh Allen in the early slate of games while being seven and one at all. So he is going to thrive. Looking forward to that. Now, let's get on to the game with Spice, that being the Raiders and the Colts. You set this up beautifully, mate, with uh, Saturday's comments, isn't it? It's, it? it's a weird last name. Why are we doing this, by the way? Come on, Jeff, you're better than this. Mr. and Mrs. Saturday, what are you doing? Um, the main point out of this game is this isn't going to be about the winner at all. Whoever wins this game is going to be more ignored than Daz in a nightclub, let me tell you. This is going to be absolutely shambolic for whoever goes down in this game. And ironically, if it's a tie, both teams are going to cop it because we're waiting for the car to crash on one side of the road. And if neither of them do, we're all going to leave disappointed. So, yeah, win this game and enjoy the silence for whoever gets it done. As to who gets it done, I mean, they've got the better quarterback, the Raiders. They've got the better wide receiver one. 
So, I mean, I'm going to go with the Raiders, but my God, I don't, I don't feel good about this because we're trying to pick a winner, but we're looking out for a loser. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I'm going to buy into the storyline. I'm tipping the Colts. <laughs> Everything about what they did last week tells you not to pick them to win this game. But there's always something, and I, I'm a big believer in this in any sport. When the coach gets fired and someone new comes in, there's always this fresh lease of life. There's this freedom in the air. And more times than not, no matter how bad a team is going, they will win one of their first games with the interim coach. We see it all the time in the NBA. We saw it with the Panthers this year when we miraculously beat Tampa Bay in Steve Wilkes' second game in charge. The Raiders are going that badly that I'm tipping them to lose and have a new coach by this time next week. I think if they lose this game, Josh McDaniels is no longer in Las Vegas. That'll be it. They will have had enough. And Jonathan Taylor's back at practice. They weren't able to lean on him last week and put Sam Ellinger in some tough situations. The Raiders' pass rush has been non-existent. Their run defense has been non-existent. I expect them to lean on Jonathan Taylor for Sam Ellinger to make enough good throws to get them over the line and the Colts win a scrappy game. <laughs> Buying into the storyline, Smithy's going the week one sugar hit, which I don't mind the logic behind that. I just, oh, man. The Ra- Shout out to Teed, by the way, who was the only one that bought any kind of Raiders stock in the offseason, and then he locked them and they got shut out. So he's probably feeling the pain in this one. Uh, let's go to your next game, mate. That being the Dolphins and the Browns. Now, this is going to be – if someone had told me as a Dolphins fan, we're going to be on Australian free-to-air – well, not free-to-air, Australian TV because I've got access to pay TV here. Um, this will be the seventh time in nine games or I would have been extremely pleased with playing a good brand. Yeah, and that's exactly why I picked this game. The Dolphins are fun as hell to watch, and it's as simple as that. Um, I love watching them offensively, but I'm going to keep a really close eye on the defense here for the Finns because it's fair to say the last three weeks it's been a little bit underwhelming, the defense, and we know they've got the names there. Bradley Chubb's had another week to acclimatize himself. Jalen Phillips, that defensive line is scary. Off-ball linebacker play has been pretty good, and their secondary is full of studs, so... Against Jacoby Brissett in his second last start for the Cleveland Browns, a team that came off a really good victory before their bye week, really beating up on the Bengals at home in prime time. They should carry some confidence, but these are the games that the Finns need to win, and they need to win comfortably. Uh, Playing at home against Cleveland with a second-string quarterback, they know Jacoby Brissett pretty well, considering he is a former Dolphin, so... um, Look, there's there's definite definite crossovers here. I just love what Miami do offensively. The what Mike McDaniel has brought to this team in terms of scheme and what they're running is a thing of beauty. They've got the absolute burners on the outside, and if Denzel Denzel Ward is still no good to play, they've got a really young cornerback room, Cleveland, and with the ability of Tyree Kill and Jalen Model to get open, I think the Finns have an explosion offensively. Can their defense do the same? I'm not sure, but regardless, I think the Finns win. 
If there are any defensive coordinators out there that are looking for a change, the Finns might be a good place to go. The, one of the weirdest stats for the Finns this year, Smithy, is if you take every player into the equation, the Finns are about 18th for run defense, which is not great at all. If you take all quarterback rushing yards, the Dolphins are then ninth. So it really is the mobile quarterbacks that are giving them trouble, which Jacoby doesn't really have in his kit bag, it's going to be fair to say. And, yeah, if they can keep Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to manageable levels, you know, we're not talking, you know, like 20 yards each or anything stupid like that, then I think we'll get the job done. Xavier Howard really needs to get involved. The last eight catches that he's given up have all gone for over eight yards, and he's only had one interception for the season. Now, yes, he's had two that have been called back, including one last week, but we feel like the X-Man is going to get more involved, like he said about Bradley Chubb, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. And and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are going to continue to do their thing. It was good to see Cedric Wilson back last week. Jeff Wilson's flying. This team is just, you know, like I said, man, it's it's so fun. Getting up at 5 a.m., which is not really something that um, Daz enjoys, mainly because last time I was doing it, it was to get trains into North Melbourne to uh, to cook for some snobs, which is not really a fun thing to do when you're a kid from Narry. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Looking forward to a big time, and I hope the Finns don't take it lightly. Last game for the big preview is going to be the Packers and the Cowboys, the Mike McCarthy Cup. Who would have thought? Not a trending thing, but it's happening. Um, I've got a question for you, mate. And I'm, I know it involves your man, Colin. You're a big fan. <laughs> um, but I just want to know whether this is real or an overreaction because it was also a poll on Reddit. If the Packers lose... Does Aaron get benched? Do we have to see some Jordan Love if they go? If they go, I think it'll be three games behind the Vikings. I'll check for I, that. Oh, I they think, already are. I think we see some Jordan Love at some point in the season. Mm. But this team, in what is a very top-heavy NFC, there's still a playoff chance. And no matter how badly they're going, they're going to look at the numbers. They're going to look at the math and think, well, this guy has done it for us for 15-plus years. We're still mathematically a chance to make the playoffs. They're not going to bench him when there's still a realistic chance to make the playoffs. If it gets to a point in the season, which I think it will, just quietly, that they are mathematically no chance to make the playoffs, I think they rest Aaron Rodgers. They put Jordan Love in and see what they've got. Maybe they can trade Jordan Love for something. Maybe they trade Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? But... I don't think it's this soon. I it would it would take his thumb injury to really bother him for them to bench him, and that would be purely for an injury. I don't think it'll be form based. It's gonna be an extraordinary time. If the season ended right now, the Packers would have picked ten. You believe that? If you someone had told you that coming into the season, you wouldn't have believed it. And I guarantee you they'll take a defensive lineman. <laughs> Why would you go after a receiver? That's ludicrous. Um, early, my goodness. Uh, the Cowboys, we should give them some love, not just because Teed's not here and we can do it with our bias, but they've been ticking along. The cow- This is probably the most underrated I think the Cowboys have been, and I don't mean that from a performance standpoint. I mean, unless you sit down and watch Skip Bayless for four hours a day, something that I would not recommend doing, then the Cowboys are being talked about like just another good team, which I think is the way to go. Being America's team sometimes can work against you, but they're 6-2 and two at the moment. They're going well. 
Dak has re-indoctrinated himself nicely. Tony Pollard is a star. I'm not saying that because he's in the dynasty fantasy lineup. He's going beautifully. I think if C.D. Lamb can get a bit more involved and their receivers can really cash in on a Packers defense that has just been pretty gross for the majority of the season, it could be the Cowboys comfortably. I'm not going to predict comfortably, but the Cowboys are the better team, and I've got no reason to think that'll change come four days' time. Yeah, and the Packers' defense, you said it's been disappointing, but they've also been really badly affected by injuries. Yeah, it's it's been brutal, and they're going to miss Rashawn Gary now for the rest of the season, who has probably been their best individual defensive player so far this year. What you said about CeeDee Lamb is spot on. I think the rumors surrounding Odell Beckham Jr., if that realize Dallas, he could be the main piece to be a Super Bowl contender because CD Lamb's been good. Michael Gallup is cool, but if they can get just that one more star receiver on the outside to draw the attention of the defense, I think that's going to be huge for Dak Prescott. It'll be huge for CD Lamb. It'll be huge for the run game. It'll just be what that Cowboys offense needs to be a genuine contender to the Philadelphia Eagles in the division and the conference. So, yeah, I'm tipping the Cowboys as well. Um, The Packers have lost five straight, and that trend does not look to be ending anytime soon, which is unbelievable for me to say about my NFC Super um, Super Bowl representative. Mm. I think I picked them as well. I thought they were going to go on a tear and not really worry about winning the division. So that's aging like milk. But I did say in about December that the Vikings were going to win the division. So I'm hanging on to that. Uh, let's go to some quick fire games. We've only disagreed on one game so far, Smitty. I'm not that's, I'm not a fan of that, to be honest. Um, Panthers-Falcons tomorrow at the time of recording. I think if you guys weren't tanking, you'd be in with a big chance. But you're going to need to take the quarterback early. So I'll take the Falcons. Yeah, PJ Walker starting again. Um, let's see if he can improve his QBR of zero from last game. Um, I he could get feeling... injured on the first throw, and it would it would be all right as long as it wasn't a pick six. It yeah. would be an improvement. Yeah, he, he could spike the ball on the first play, go out and have a higher QBR. So that's <laughs> that's maybe the plan, PJ. But yeah, I think the Falcons win. Uh, I I had confidence in my Panthers two weeks ago, but it, it's just diminished now. Yeah, it's a shame that you can't bet on that if you'd have a higher QBR. But anyway, uh, Titans, Broncos, what do we make of the Titans? My goodness me, they, they're deep. Are any of their defenders still able to walk at this point? Have they actually been able to get out of bed given how knackered they were? The Broncos, they had the international trip and they had the bye, and I think they're going to get the win. Yeah, I think it all depends on the QB in Tennessee because mm. – Malik Willis definitely showed the world last week that he's not quite ready for NFL level defenses. And, and that's perfectly fine because he didn't play at a big college. He, he didn't play in an offense that at least mimicked some NFL offenses. It, it was a completely foreign thing for him to come in and to play a defense like the chiefs and struggle is perfectly natural. I don't think people need to worry about Malik Willis. It just shows that, he isn't quite ready to be that guy. And if Tannehill starts, I'm confident the Titans can win this game. Um, all signs point to him starting at the moment. So I'm going to tip the Titans. But, yeah, this is a coin flip. 
Beautiful. The Chiefs and the Jags, both of them had to do it the hard way last week for certain. And I think the Jags might put up a little bit of a fight, but Eddie tip against the Chiefs in this situation, even though they have had a couple of losses to some poor teams, but I don't think that'll continue this week. Yeah, the Chiefs at home. Uh, the Jags, they had a good win last week, but I just don't think they're up to a game like this. And I think Chiefs will will do what they need to do to tear a business. Yep, I think so as well. Giants, Texans. I mean, this could be the most confident I've been in tipping the Giants since we've done this podcast, Smithy. This will be the, the 27th week of our regular season football that we've done. I reckon we might have tipped the Giants, I'm going to be conservative and say seven times. I reckon six of them have been with trepidation, but this one is with a real sense of confidence. I'm tipping the Giants confidently as well, so that probably means the Texans are going to win uh, after yeah, the experiment <laughs> that we conducted before, <laughs> before the Giants buy. So... Nah, but in all seriousness, uh, the Giants are coming off their bye. They'll be well-rested. The Texans are coming off the Thursday night football game. They looked good against the Eagles in parts, but, um, yeah, I think there's no reason to tip against the Giants at this stage. They've, they've proven they're, they're a really well-coached and well-drilled football team, and those kind of teams beat bad teams. Mm. Yes, they do. Good coaching. Remember the Brian Dable effect taking hold. Steelers, Saints. I Can we call this the who cares game of the round? I don't mean that with disrespect to these two teams, but this isn't citing a, a whole lot of love from Dazzling's point of view here. Yeah, not a pretty game on paper, that's for sure. The Saints sort of laid an egg in prime time against the Ravens who just bullied them and... What can we make of the Pittsburgh Steelers? You know, they're they're coming off a bye. And TJ Watt is back, which is the only reason I'm tipping the Steelers because I think this defense rises to the occasion. One side of the offensive line for New Orleans has been absolutely horrific. So if they can put TJ Watt over there, he may have three-plus sacks in this game. And we saw what the Ravens' running offense did to the Saints' defense last week. I think they'd lean on Najee Harris, who, let's be honest, hasn't been great this season. But maybe after by as well, can finally have an impact on the Steelers' offense at home and get a really ugly win against the Saints. Yeah, I think so as well. A lot of agreement going on here. Rams, Cardinals, Kyler's got a bit of a hamstring injury. Matthew Stafford's under... Concussion protocol, it's probably what these not what these two teams deserve. I don't mean that in a concussion point of view for either of these teams, but the a, a disappointing QB room potentially for these teams kind of reflects how they've been going at the moment. Two teams that were almost playoff locks for some, maybe not so much the Cardinals, but it's been a steep fall for the Rams. Oh, it's been ugly. Both these teams have been ugly. I genuinely don't know who to pick. I still don't. I've been looking at this game all week. I've been tossing. I've been, you know, changing my mind. Stafford's in concussion protocols, which isn't a great sign. But then Kyler Murray missed practice with a hamstring injury, which isn't a great sign. I'm just going to trust the best unit in the game. And I think that the best unit in the game is the Rams defense. Oh, I say that with so much... Um, anxiety and so much in indecisiveness in my heart. But, yeah, I'm going to tip the Rams at home with absolutely no confidence at all. Our man just looking genuinely sick at the moment just with that tip. And uh, 
I, I can't believe that you're forgetting the elephant in the room right now, mate. And that is if Kyler doesn't play, we get my man wrinklehead Colt McCoy out there just absolutely dominating for the cards. And he's going to bring home the bacon. He's, when he starts his first game starting, he is four and one in his last five first starts on a run. Big Colt. Wow. Now, that is over a seven-year stretch, I must say. So, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt if you will. But in the last four years, that is 2-0. and uh, Sorry, 3-0. and So I'll take him. Why not? Him or Kyler to get it done. And the Rams do. Last but not least, my friend, we have got the Eagles and the Commanders. The Eagles have got to lose sometime. Ain't going to be this week. Nope. It's not going to be this time. Uh you're right. They're not going to go 17 and 0, but uh, they definitely will go 10 and 0 because, uh, yeah, look, Washington have been okay with our man, the Heineken beer under center. And, you know, they made some plays last week and nearly beat the Vikings, and it was all well and good. But, yeah, the Eagles are a different beast at this stage of the year. And there's absolutely no reason why they can't get the job done. Just traded for Devontae Smith in fantasy. So, uh, if I can get all TDs and threes fans to cross their fingers for a big Devontae Smith game, then that'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. So a couple of disagreements there. Now let's get to the locks. Now, Smithy, we have a running gag on this show about our 2022 bingo cards. Yep. And um, after, actually, it would be the first time this year that our man Teed has had pick one because he got the most tips and his lock won by more than mine did. So he gets pick one and it's gone to his head. It's fair yep. to say. It's yep. He's gone his Cowboys and he typed it that fast. I was worried that someone else was doing it for him. How do you feel about it? Yeah, uh, I actually like it because I don't see a world where the Cowboys lose and he's putting his faith in his team and... I can respect it as someone who cannot put any amount of faith in his team. So I'm a bit envious, but uh, I do like the decision. I'm going with the Giants. Speaking of things not put on a bingo card, and I don't think your lock is going to end up on any bingo cards in the start of the year either, mate. Yeah, I'll back it up with an equally bold call, and I'm going to lock the Bears at home over the Lions. Um, Yeah, just putting my faith in the Justin Fields basket. You know, he um, he has improved his overall fantasy finish in every week this year. Um, I think he started it as the QB 30 in week one. And then every week he's climbed the rank. And last week he was the QB one in fantasy. So hopefully he can reproduce that in a big Bears win. Beautiful. I like it. Don't forget also after week three, he was 33rd in the league for passing yards. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks. It was insane. All right, let's get to the certs. Now, sun's out, gun's out. Smithy had to pull his hair out last week. And uh, I think with the sun shining, the room is illuminated. Our man is going to go large. So take it away, mate. Yeah, give me the Seahawks plus three over the Bucks. How are they not favored in this game? Uh if you took out the name Tom Brady from the Buccaneers lineup, then the Seahawks would be favoured by a lot, I think. So I'm going to roll with that. My lock, the Bears at minus three at home. Uh, Jared Goff literally disintegrates into pixie dust when he goes on the road. So uh, I don't think 
they're going to put up enough points to win this game. The Pittsburgh Steelers plus one and a half over the Saints at home. Like I said, the return of TJ Watt is going to propel this defense into its former state. The Dolphins minus three and a half at home over the Browns. I just love what this offense is doing. It's an offense I can trust. And even though the Browns performed last week, they're a team I cannot trust. So I'll go with that. And my last pick, following the storyline, the Colts plus five and a half. I just see a world where they shock the universe, beat the Raiders, and send Josh McDaniels packing. My goodness, there we go. Seahawks, Bears, Steelers, Dolphins, Colts. Uh, I... I... Do need to reiterate if you are going to follow Gamble responsibly because, yeah, man, he's still trying Please to get do. in front of Colin at this stage. So uh, let's get to TDs, TDs. He's clearly looked at our two out of five and gone, oh, I need to beat this. And um, I, I rate most of his picks. I'm not sure if I'm going with an injured quarterback to maybe run one in, but if anyone can, Kyler Murray is the man. So that's who Ted's gone with to get a rushing touchdown. At running back, he's gone for Saquon Barkley, which would work out beautifully if the Giants are going to get up and prove Daz's lock correctly. The Cowboys' love extends to the wide receiver. He's gone CD Lamb. This is actually the third time that he's featured CD, and T doesn't got it right once. So maybe stick away from that one if you're having a look at a punt on that game. At tight end, he's gone George Kittle, of course, up against the Chargers. I think Chargers have given away... Um, four or five, or they might be fourth and fifth for tight end yard. So maybe Kittle can get into the end zone there. And defense, special teams, it worries me when him and I agree, but he thinks the Broncos defense are going to run it in or special teams for a touchdown up against the Titans, Smithy. So if that is not 40 minutes of ripping genuine piss, I don't know what is. Yeah, I think we've absolutely nailed the format of the preview and only for Teed to come back and ruin it all. So shout out to you, Teed. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks for listening to this Week 10 preview. Uh, it's been short, sharp, succinct, elite work. If that's not the NFL content you want to ingest for a Friday morning, I don't know what is, but good luck to your team this week, unless they are the Atlanta Falcons, of course. But most importantly, stay safe, everyone.